This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we are back for another edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider, and it feels really good to be back with my guy, Tim McCormick, a standout player at the University of Michigan in the early to mid-80s before he went on to the NBA and had a lengthy career and has been doing an outstanding job in the commentary department for decades now, Tim, decades now, college and pro basketball, and of course, the last few years here on the Michigan Basketball Insider. So, Tim, welcome back. Another season underway for the Maize and Blue. And I cannot wait. And I was so excited. Uh, like you, I was in the house last night. It was a fantastic night in Chrysler Center. I had a huge smile on my face the entire evening. The fans were electric. And after missing games in person last year, I, I, um, I immediately thought that the crowd reminded me of games that I played in. But the difference is rather than the first game of the year in the non-conference, that felt like a crowd for Illinois or Iowa or Minnesota, where it, the game wasn't as sold out, but it was it was energetic and lively. And you could see the players were so excited to be out there. Yeah, man, it was and, and it was a good test, too, because, Tim, uh, you have been I, I let me tout my guy, Timmy Mack. For the predictions, you have been, dude, I'm like, give me the lottery numbers. So good with the predictions here over the last year, right? And so you shot me a text before the game, and you said, hey, this is going to be a tight one. Uh, Michigan's going to win this game by five. Uh, And that was, I think, a signal, at least to, you know, and I I sort of shared it with a a few people on the radio. It it should have been a signal to how good Buffalo is. Buffalo is a legit team, a team favorite to win the MAC led the nation in rebounding last year. And, Tim, you saw in their comeback, because Michigan was up big early, but you saw in the comeback that team from Buffalo has a lot of dog in it too. They do. And and I was um, I was thinking, why do you play Buffalo? <laughs> They're the favorite in the MAC, probably an 11 or 12 seed in next year's NCAA tournament. They've got veteran guys. Um, Williams is probably going to get an NBA look. The other guys will be pros somewhere. And the more I thought about it, the name Yoan Treor crept into my mind because I, I kept thinking throughout his recruiting process, you know, why would he consider coming to Michigan and why would Yoan go after him? Because you would have such a crowded front court with, with Greg Glenn and Terrace Reed. And, and, you know, there, there's the possibility that, that you're going to have Diabati return. And then I thought about Juwan. He welcomes the competition. Mm-hmm. And, and he thinks it's an opportunity to challenge yourself, to get better. So that's why they scheduled Buffalo. You might as well find out who you are and, and send that early message. And when, when we think about the excitement of the players last night, I think Buffalo is a great way to start off. Like you, you don't want to 
to have a, an up and down blowout game that, that gives your, your kids too much positive energy to think about. They start to believe that they're great. Um, because when you look at Michigan's roster, and I'm, I'm counting Zeb Jackson, who's sick right now and didn't play, eight of the 11 players, including Devontae Jones, had never played a real game with fans in the Chrysler Center. Think about Hunter Dickinson. He's played huge games home and away, but he's never felt the love and intensity from a home crowd. So last night was special. Um, it was a double-digit victory versus a team that will be in the NCAA probably. So overall, I, I thought it was a really good start to the season. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny that you say, why do you play Buffalo out the gate? And, you know, Phil Martelli actually talked about that. He said, you know, most teams don't. But like you just said, Tim, Jawan embraces the, the competition. He embraces being tested. Uh, and so this was a great way to test his team early. And, and coming off an exhibition, Tim, where, you know, the entire staff was very critical of the rebounding effort against Wayne State in exhibition play, this was, again, a, a really good test for them to have to come off of that game. And, and so it was noteworthy to me, too, that they won the rebounding battle last night as well. It was close, but but um, they, they did win it. And in DePaul, uh, which was the scrimmage, and Wayne State, which was an exhibition game, um, Michigan should have dominated the boards and actually gave up an average of nearly 18 offensive rebounds mm -hmm. per game. Mm -hmm. And they did a much better job um, only 12 offensive rebounds for a long athletic team that, that really, they, they missed 23 three-pointers. And so when a team's missing that many threes, you're susceptible to long rebounds and offensive rebounding. So it really goes to show you that they tighten that up, and that was a great benefit from the exhibition and the, the, um, the scrimmage. Yeah, so a number of things to, to note in this game, but the biggest was the biggest fella on the floor. And, Tim, uh, you had seen Hunter Dickinson before in person, talking about this season. I had seen him at the, uh, you know, at the media day a few weeks ago. But, you know, seeing him next to other guys, seeing him next to another team in person, it's like, man, he has definitely been in the weight room. He just looks like physically a more imposing player, and he was definitely an imposing force against Buffalo. Well, everything about him, and yeah, you know, I look at 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 media day. I, I had to say, I thought, wow, this is a handsome guy. <laughs> like he looked, he looked so GQ. He looked like Kevin Love in his suit, nice tie, you know, and and he looks like an NBA player. Yeah, Hunter's about to send body. you some gear. He's gonna send you some gear so you can you can endorse him, man. <laughs> you yeah, can be an endorser. I, no, I, I saw his T-shirts at the football game, too, so good for him. Um, but last year, like, a little bit pudgy, right? Mm -hmm. and, and and he tired quickly to start games. He was like, he reminded me of the, the lumberjack, Paul Bunyan, you know, just a big dude. And now he looks sculpted. He moved well in the pick-and-roll game. Um, I'm sure you, you, um, you were all over his right-handed jump hook versus Wayne State, loving it like you should have. But I liked his Kevin McHale jump jump hook last night. Um, he was on the, the left box, and he sees the defense coming, and he spun to the baseline where there's no help 
there's nobody that can help you in that shot. Mm -hmm. And it's really one of the few unstoppable shots if you can knock that down. Um, I thought his ball handling is better. Versus DePaul and Wayne State, he had zero turnovers and only two last night. So so they've really done a good job of teaching him that. And um, one of the things that they do is in practice every every day, Juwan Howard is sending double and triple teams at Hunter nonstop. And when they bring the heat, they're monitoring his turnovers to make sure that he's accountable and he can see how important that is to them. So that's a nice coaching move by the staff. And and Sam, the other thing, the, the last practice I saw, I was so impressed with the post work before practice. So imagine this, you've got Juwan Howard, and Chris Hunter. Chris played at Michigan. Chris played in the NBA. And they were playing one-on-one against Hunter, Musa, Will Cheddar, and Jaron Falls. I mean, it was physical. Guys sweating, elbows in the back, push off the block, one-on-one. And and Jawan Howard was in a full sweat, and he was banging against Hunter. Like, do you think Tom Izzo is covering Julius Marble in practice. <laughs> well, come I, on, Tim. Come on, man. I, you think I, you Coach know, K, I'm the last Coach, one. I'm the last one to stick up for Tom Izzo, but you know he's probably messing. He's probably matching up with with Tyson or AJ Hogard. He's not gonna okay, match up with, match up with Marble. Come on, man. All right, maybe Coach K is dealing with pa- Paolo Banchero. Do you think that's it? No, maybe not. Anyway, look, they were pushing each other. And, and Juwan was calling the guys out. He was holding them accountable. Why? If you're banging with someone and you're covering, you can tell if they're faking it or going all out. And so I am just going to keep expecting Michigan's big guys to keep growing at an astronomical rate because their coaches are with them banging every day. I'm worried about Juwan and Chris on the injury list because they're, they're, they're working real hard. And I just, they're getting a little bit older, Sam. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. You know what, when I, the little that we've seen them in game action, whether it's Wayne state or Buffalo, I, you talked about me talking about his, his, his righty, his righty hook. I, I'm watching, I'm watching his shoulders. And, and the scout tells you at this point, you know, which way he wants to go. You mm-hmm. you know he wants to go over that left shoulder, and most teams play him to that. So what does he do as a counter? You saw in against Wayne State, he goes up over his left shoulder with that right hook. Another play on the on the left block, Tim, you, you talked about him. It seemed like Buffalo really wasn't at, as adherent to that scout, but the few times they went at him, he had the counter. And the one that got me excited that I tweeted about last night, they jump his right shoulder, and like you said, drop step to the baseline the other way and finish with a dunk. I said, Tim, I'm not a big fella, but I, I, it got me out my seat, man. It got me out my seat when I saw that because if he can do that, Tim, if he has that as, as a counter consistently through the season, as good as Hunter Dickinson was last year, he is going to be like that. Or in The first half of last year, he's going to be like that all year long. So I saw a lot of things that I liked. Number one, he had the vision like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Kareem was so patient. He would catch the ball and he'd just take a look. Okay, there's the help. There's more help. Okay, good. Now I know what to do. The second thing he did is 
Akeem Olajuwon used to take that. He started his, drib- his dream shake by taking that first dribble and making the defense react. And then the third guy is McHale, where he knew that the only thing on the baseline are the cheerleaders. There's no help <laughs> at all there. And, and it's a really easy shot, especially with his left hand. And with the right hand that you saw against Wayne State, he doesn't need that right now. He needs that against Kofi Coburn yeah. on January 14th. Yeah. And, and so you know, they're not going to double. He's going to get his man one-on-one. And, and if you can go over your left and your right, you've got multiple options. Yeah, you do. And so speaking of options, they are experimenting now with lineup options. And so one of the things that, you know, Phil brought up, he said, hey, we are we've been working on experimenting with playing Hunter and Musa, Musa Diabate together. And Tim, I, I mean, you, you look at the young fella. We know he's athletic, right? Uh, but his comfort putting the ball on the deck, number one, has been impressive. And the other part, his passing ability. Mm, that yeah. stuck out to me as well. And I'm curious to you as a big fella. I mean, it just seems like that that's uh, it, in a two-game sample space, one being an ex- exhibition, that's uh, maybe a little bit ahead of where I expected it to be for him as a freshman. He's going to be really good. And I, I've I've watched him three practices and I did not see it. I, I didn't get a full appreciation for his physical gifts and they did a lot of drill work during those practices. Um, there, there wasn't a lot of scrimmaging, but what I saw and, and what I learned from talking to the coaches and his teammates, they all say the same thing. He's got energy and athleticism. And, and last night I saw it, he plays so hard and he's very active and he has great timing. I think there's a chance that that he's going to lead the Big Ten in offensive rebounds this year in conference play. Um, I I was thinking about comparisons. You know, I like doing this, and I'm always a bit reluctant because people say, well, he he's not that good. But if you think back, UMass, Marcus Camby <laughs> as a freshman. Camby, okay? man. Yeah, now – now Marcus Camby went on to be a you know a, an All American, so I'm not projecting that on him. But when Marcus Camby was a freshman, you could see the glimpses of greatness in him. He would make these plays where you think I haven't seen anybody else do that in the college game. I think that that Musa can be that kind of a player. I also think it's nice that Brandon Johns takes a lot of that pressure off of him. You know, you sit and you watch the game start. He doesn't have to worry about foul trouble. Uh, he still needs to add strength and definitely a lot of physical maturity. But that middle pick and roll, they're going to run that to death this year. You put two corners and uh, two shooters in each of the corners, and then you run the high pick and roll at the top of the key, and then he rim runs. They're, they're going to get dunk after dunk. I bet that Musa can get 50 dunks this year. <laughs> hey, dude, does Michigan have a Carmelo Travieso on this team? <laughs> Look at you going old school. Yeah, Edgar Padilla, Dante Bright. We got to go back, Tim. <laughs> that was a great team. That was a great team. Oh, yes. I, I remember it well. Yeah, man. It was, it was encouraging to hear Phil talk about the commitment of the, the young guys on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, but again, you talk about where are where they are on the offensive end. 
and the jump shot is still a work in progress. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think we could see that a little bit. But putting it on the deck, can you can you play facing the rim, uh, and 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 be reasonably expected to get to the rim without being a turnover machine? It's like yeah, and then to the court vision. I mean, he was responsible for a couple of those threes, Tim. That was that was really, really good to see. And, again, very, very early on. The other part that I really liked, whether it was Musa or Hunter or the next guy we're going to talk about, Terrence Williams. Look, that team from Buffalo, you, you mentioned they're long, they're athletic, they're well coached. They're gritty, Tim. I, I said at the beginning, they have a lot of dog in them. They came in there and they tried to punk Michigan. They absolutely were trying to take Michigan out of their out of their game, talking and being physical. And Michigan was up to that task too. And one of the main guys setting that tone was Terrence Williams. Well, Ter- Terrence brings great maturity and poise to a game. Um, and and also, wh- one of the concerns that I had about this team is who's going to be that enforcer. I'm not saying somebody's going to go out looking for fights. But just somebody that that you're less likely to mess with the guys on the opposing team because so and so is with them, and I think Terrence can be that guy. Um, he he was a really pleasant surprise, and I wasn't sure how much they were going to be able to play him. But his body looked lean. He was active. He was a key component for sure. And and maybe the biggest moment of the game to me, I, I like to try to find one moment that that was sort of that that um, the golden moment, the, the time that they needed something. It was about five minutes to go. Buffalo had cut the lead to five. They had all the momentum. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and Terrence knocked down a really clutch three. Then Dickinson had the dunk. And, and as I watched him last night, I followed him for a good part of the game, really, really tuning in. He does all of the subtle things really well. He talks, he sets screens, he rebounds, he boxes out. He pumps up his teammate. He doesn't get rattled. And, and he's the guy that good teams just seem to have. Um, the, the, the comparison game, once again, you know, Milwaukee really struggled in the NBA playoffs the last three years. And people are ripping Mike Boonholzer and his job and legacy were on the line. And then they signed P.J. Tucker. And then he won a title. And, and now Miami's one of the best teams because he's on their team. And, and I think that you know, Drew Holiday is that guy, that guy too. But P.J. Tucker, if he's on your team, you're just better. And everybody likes him on the court. That's what I see from Terrence Williams. Yeah, I see the work he put in in the offseason. He got in a month early, paid his own way. Juwan talked about that. Uh, and the guy was a workout twice a day, working out, getting in there with John Sanderson. He said he put up – he worked out twice a day, put up 1,000 shots a day, seven days a week. So he got his body in order, Tim, and he he worked on his jump shot enough to not just get it better, but to be confident in how much better it was. Because it says something to me that was a that was a shot in transition. So he's floating on very easily. Could have you know done a rim run and you know expect someone else to put it up and try to get a rebound. Uh, but clearly, he felt comfortable enough to float on the perimeter, be shot ready. Uh, and be ready to hoist the, the ball when he got it. And his teammates are confident enough in him to throw it, to pass it to him in that situation. And he rewarded that confidence by knocking down that shot. So much on that play, Tim, stuck out to me. 
like I said, the work he put in, the how much more confident he is, and and the teammates, the faith that they have in him. If he can do that, uh, and and be a threat out there, not be a self check on the perimeter. Uh, again, that is another doorway that's open for Michigan. It makes me think of something that that they say on the team. They say that Terrence Williams impacts winning. I think we saw what they were talking about last yes, night. Yeah, and and, and this will tell you everything you need to know about how he spent his summer. During practice, during individual workouts, every time a Michigan basketball player is on the court, they chart the shots that they take, especially the threes. So in a scrimmage, in an individual workout, when a guy walks on the court by himself, they start charting that. 41%, that's how many three, uh, that was the percentage of Terrence Williams shooting from three in every workout this year. That is a massive improvement. If you would have told me that he'd make over 40% of his threes, I would have called you a liar, Sam. That's what the numbers say. <laughs> well, it's good to it's good to hear. And, and again, they keep those metrics for a reason. Uh, they you, you earn the opportunity to put up threes like, like Terrence Williams has put up in first the exhibition, then in an actual game. And it's not like they just say you're, you're open, you shoot. you got to earn the right to shoot that shot. Terrence Williams has earned the right to shoot that shot so mm-hmm. good for him mm-hmm. and good for them a couple of more guys tim to talk about from last night's game the guys that were most impacted by by foul trouble uh in the game uh but very very important pieces to the puzzle for michigan uh as the season unfolds caleb houston who hit a couple of big shots and then Devonte jones whose uh defensive tenacity i think we saw at times in the game last night yeah, let's start with Caleb. Um, Sam, it's un- unsettling to me that his name is always misspelled, right? I mean, <laughs> Houston has an O-N at the end. I-, I-, I lived in Houston. I played for the Rockets. I just can't get used to it, but I guess that's on me. Um, on the court, I don't have any concerns, though. I-, I look at Caleb Houston and feel like he's the real deal. He- he's a prototype NBA wing in the future. Uh, with him at the three, Michigan goes seven two six eight six eight. That's NBA size, and he rebounded well last night. He made a couple of defensive errors in the pick and roll game. There were a couple of blow bys, but he's a, he's a willing defender, and I think that's pretty easily corrected. And then on offense, um, one one of the the fun things, you know, I I um I sat. I sat at Michigan's offensive end in the second half pretty close, and they ran a play that I really like. Um, the NBA runs it a lot, and it's called Spain. It's a pick-and-roll concept that, that's used a lot in the league, but it, it first came from the Spanish Pro League, and they've got the, the pit point guard on the top, and Hunter sets a screen, and as Hunter rolls, what you'll do is you'll have a shooter come and set a back screen on whoever's taking Hunter. And that way, it could free Hunter up. He got some good looks out of that yesterday. But it also, as soon as he sets it, Caleb pops out to the three-point line, and he was wide open and knocked down a three. I really think it's going to be a big part of their offense. It's a hard play to, to, to cover, and that, that's going to that's gonna do well for Michigan. If he gets his feet set, Sam, it's over. How about this, Tim? No, but he he airballed a three last night. No, as a pass, as a pass. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, that surprised me. He went a little bit quick, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, but but 
he was he was confident and ready the next time it came. So so he nailed a huge shot after airballing earlier in the contest. That says a lot to me again about him, his confidence, and then get back to what I said about Terrence Williams, the confidence his teammates have in him as well because he they went right back to him and he rewarded him for it. Right. And there, there was another play that I wanted to talk about with you. I, I think you probably remember it. It was right around the eight-minute mark of the second half, and Caleb got the ball in the left corner, and he had a direct straight-line drive to the basket. And, and he took a couple dribbles, and he wasn't really sure. And sort of it, it looked like it should have been a dunk, but it was a missed layup. And, and I thought that, that his conditioning was a little bit of a factor in the second half, maybe a little bit like Hunter Dickinson. He reclassified, so Caleb Houston should really be a high school senior. So this is a big stage for him to be on, and it shows how good he is, um, what his future looks like. But but in the the future, he's got to be able to have two power dunks or two power dribbles and a dunk in that situation, and that's why I'm not convinced that that he should be a one and done. A lot of people are. But I think that, that there's a lot of improvement he can make from working with John Sanderson and being on a college campus and working with Phil Martelli. And, and just you've got to build that foundation to get ready for the next level. Yeah, obviously a lot has to play out, right? We have to see how, I mean, if he winds up being this this sharpshooter dynamo, uh, you know, maybe, maybe the NBA will look past that. But I tend to agree with with your projection about how it's most likely gonna play out is that the 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 physical gains that he can make working with Sandman will will be such that it's more beneficial for him to return for a year to realize some of those physical gains to boost his draft stock I think I think your prediction is going to be right on that Tim I think that Musa Musa Diabate uh, if you're if you're playing a projection game he, he physically athletically he's probably closer and I'll probably mm-hmm. to it. He is closer to being NBA ready, uh, in my opinion. So if you're sort of trying to handicap how it's going to go with the two, I think it's fair to say that Musa Diabate is is the more likely guy to be on first round radar, and not excluding Caleb from that conversation. I think certainly the season could play out where he does wind up on on that same radar. But right now, Tim, I wonder what you think. I think probably Musa is the guy that in NBA scouts are saying, hey, he's He's closer to being ready. I um I think you're accurate, but I I will I will point out that Musa can really enter beast mode if he puts on another 15 pounds with his athleticism. He's still a little bit light, and and some of the nuances of his game need to be sharpened a bit. But I will say this: I just sincerely hope that that with social media and family and friends and expectations. Whenever you put the moniker one and done on a player, does that mean that if he comes back for his second year because he wants to, to sharpen his skills, that his freshman year was a failure? No. I think that some people might think that, but I think the opposite. I think it would show great maturity and long-term vision. So I, I, I don't want I don't want those players to feel like if they don't make it to the NBA after their freshman year, that they fail because that's not accurate. 
Right. All right. So, Tim, I want to take a pause uh, and then we'll come back on the other side really briefly. And just your remarks, because we covered Michigan's recruiting class uh, it, individually over a number of podcasts. But just I want to get your broad brush impressions of Michigan's 2022 recruiting class number seven in the country right now, according to 24-7 Sports. And then your your initial impressions, uh, the opening week in the college basketball season, looking around the Big Ten. We've seen some teams in play. We saw a nail-biter for Ohio State with Akron. We saw Michigan State take on Kansas and and what wound up being a lopsided affair without Jalen Wilson on the court. So I want to just get your your observations across the college basketball landscape. We'll get that on the other side here on the Michigan Basketball Insider. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, so, Tim, uh, we have talked about Jet Howard. We've talked about Terrace Reed. We've talked about, obviously, most recently, Greg Glenn. And then the, the, the young fella that, you know, from, from end to end is, is one of the fastest guards in the country in Doug McDaniel. That class with two top 40 guys with, with Jet and – and Terrace, and then the top 60 guy with Doug McDaniel and just outside the top 100 with Greg Glenn. What are your overall impressions of this latest haul for, for Michigan and Juwan Howard? It makes a lot of sense to me because they address needs, okay? When, when you look at the position rankings, Doug McDaniel and Frankie Collins are going to be your point guards, okay? You need two, possibly three. I expect Juwan Howard to go to the transfer portal and find a veteran point guard again next year. Um, you, you've got your small forward in Jet Howard. I think he's going to be a pro. And then you've got Greg Glenn as your power forward and Terrace Reed as your center. You may say, well, well, there's one spot that's not covered, that shooting guard. Michigan is loaded with young players. Zeb Jackson plays the shooting guard. Isaiah Barnes plays the shooting guard. And, and Kobe Bufkin, I think, is going to be the best of that group. So the, the, the recruiting class makes a lot of sense. And, and with the transfer portal, if, if somebody comes on faster or slower than the coaches want and there's a hole next year, they can easily fill it with somebody that's a veteran. Yeah, and, and here's the other thing to think about. The recruiting class might not be done. You do still have Juan Treor out there. Uh, you definitely have some stiff competition uh, for him. Texas Tech, Memphis, uh, you know, there are a few others in there also. But he's decided to push his decision out till late winter, maybe into the spring. 
And I don't think that that's I don't think that timeline is necessarily a bad deal for Michigan. I actually think it's kind of beneficial because by that point, you will at least have a clearer picture of what the front court looks like. And you brought this point up in the early stages of his recruitment, Tim, where you're like, hey, well, wait a minute. You know, Michigan, they they have guys. And, you know, is he really going to want to come here when you have so much talent in the front court? While he is not afraid of competition, is looking at Michigan anyway. I mean, if if you had some guaranteed minutes that you can put in front of him, uh, that are, that is a little bit longer than it would be if your if your front court was more loaded. I think that could be beneficial. You'll have a clear picture of what that looks like uh, by the time he's ready to make a decision. Yeah, here's what it means to me: Yoan Treyor wants to go to Michigan or at least is very, very strongly considering it. I wouldn't go to Michigan if I were him, if I knew Musa Diabati's coming back, because <laughs> I may sit on the bench for a year watching. And but so Musa, is your I, fr- Musa is your boy. That's your guy. That's your, your fellow <laughs> Frenchman. You guys grew up playing against each other. You know one another. You speak the language. Come on, Tim. Come no, on, man. The, the, he knows him, so he knows how good he is. And there's only so much room for centers. We're not even talking about the, the possibility that that um, th- they're going to be loaded up because they've they've got other players at that position. Um, Will Cheddar could be a star. Who knows? And and when you think about Terrace Reed, that that's a lot of, of talent on the front court. So I like the idea. And there's no reason for Treyor to have to commit now. So it makes sense in my eyes. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you a question because we we. Um, we talked a little bit earlier, you know, when Doug McDaniel and Frankie Collins, what did you think of Devonte Jones and his debut, his breakout from Michigan? What, what were your thoughts on him? You know, it was tough. It was tough to really draw any broad conclusions because he was in foul trouble. And, I, you mm-hmm. know, I, I haven't seen him enough. I didn't watch him at Coastal. So I don't know if, you know, if the refs, just were super conscious of him last night? It was just one of those nights? Or is he a handsy guy? Is, is he a guy that you have to worry about fouls with? So that that maybe marred the game a little bit. I was really taken with his – you know he's going to get some steals. Uh, you know he's going to Im- uh, really impact the game on the defensive end. I like his, his ability to get in the lane. I think that the two-man game aspect of it – it's going to be really, really pronounced, especially as the shooting on the team becomes more defined. But uh, honestly, Tim, I, I, watching that game last night, I didn't feel like I I saw uh, enough even in that game to say, hey, well, this is what I think his impact is going to be on the offensive end. On the defensive end, I thought I saw enough. I think he's going to really be a, a guy who gets in passing lanes, who's a pesky defender, and is going to give give Michigan some transition opportunities. And he's going to rebound. Okay, i, I I feel like that. I feel like he's going to be a rebounding asset for Michigan too. I am. Um, I walked away liking him even more, and and there's a couple of reasons. We've had him on the podcast a few times, so we know him. And we we know he's a good leader. Um, but I was trying to think of how I would approach it if I were Devontae Jones in my first game in Chrysler in front of a crowd on on, on national TV. I, I like the fact that he didn't feel like he had to force his ah, offense. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of players come into a new environment and say, okay, I'm getting mine. I'm getting 20. They jack up shots. I thought he was mature and he played his role and didn't force a thing. 
And with the, the handsiness, yeah, he's super aggressive. He, he plays defense in attack mode. I think he's strong. I think he's sturdy. He's got long arms. And Sam, it's not out of the question to me that he'll lead the Big Ten in steals this year. If he can, if he can harness some of that aggressiveness. Um, and when you look at Eli and Devontae, I don't know if there is a more experienced duo of guards anywhere in college basketball. Those guys have a lot of wins under their belt. You know, I'm not surprised by, by the maturity, and not just because of his age. I, I mean, his, his, he talked about this on the podcast with us. Look, he wasn't always tasked with being the, the scoring threat at Coastal. He had to play. He had to wear different hats down there. There was some, some time in his career there where he had to be more deferential. There are other times in his career where, hey, we need you to go get it. And so he comes in with that ability to, to be what you need him to be. And there are going to be some nights where they need him to be more aggressive offensively. I think there are going to be those nights. Uh, those nights where they need him to be a guy who looks for his shot on the perimeter. Last night wasn't one of those nights, Tim. So I'm, I guess I'm not surprised just based on our interaction with him uh, that he had that approach in, in the game. What I am curious to see, though, and this is not just with him but with the rest of the team, you know, is there shooting? Is their shooting going to be enough, going to be consistent enough to keep that length? Because they, they, they have some talent in the front court, and I think they're going to be able to get downhill. Can they keep teams honest with shooting on the perimeter? That, that to me, if I got a big question heading into the season, I know they play one game, that's my big question about this team. Yeah, the, the, um, the weaponry is obvious. And think about this, versus a, a really good veteran team, they scored 88 while missing 12 free throws. That, <laughs> that's, that's pretty efficient offense. And, and I'm going to give, I'm going to, I'm going to make a statement. I want you to tell me if it's true or false. Okay. Six Michigan basketball players at some point this year will score 18 or more points. Okay. Caleb okay. Hunter, Devante, Eli, Terrence, and Musa. Hmm. I could Terrence see that. was almost Terrence is almost he was there almost last there night. last night. Yeah, he was. He was almost there last night. I mean, look, I think so. I, I think you're gonna wind up being right on that, Tim. Even even if I even if my my skepticism sort of came breathing through, and it's it's only because that's so many guys. I mean, you don't see that many teams that have guys who can hit 18 in a game. I mean, it's just but this squad. I think is that deep. This gets back to one of my points, Tim. That I just think Michigan is deeper than Purdue. Uh, to get back to that debate for a minute, that they have six guys that can score eighteen. I just don't know that Purdue does. But at any rate, the you know the only reason why I was a little hesitant is just you just don't see teams you know have that much scoring depth. But I think as we get into the season, as the freshmen get more comfortable, I think you're going to wind up being right. Tim McCormick. But let's, let's before we get out of here, I, I mentioned Purdue. Uh, that's a, a nice segue into talking about the rest of the Big Ten. We've seen uh, some compelling action here in the early going. You know, they said Akron hadn't beaten Ohio State since like the early 1900s or something like that. They came damn close to getting one over in Value City Arena. A little defensive lapse there at the end of the game. Uh, may Akron lose by one. I'm curious what you think of the Buckeyes this season. 
I think that that um, Zed Key really saved them. Yeah, what what a play! And it was almost like they they advanced to the the Sweet Sixteen on that shot. Um, it, it was really it was really a pretty exciting finish. But it kind of goes back to what I said earlier. Why in the world would you play Buffalo? Why in the world would you play Akron? I mean, that's that's the game of the year for Akron. And and I I um I think EJ Liddell is going to to have an amazing season. I love his game, and the fact that he can place a little bit more power forward now is a good thing for him. Um, I I'm I'm. I'm still under the impression that Ohio State is going to be what the number four or five team in the Big Ten. Um, I, I don't know. I don't love their guard play, mm-hmm. and, and so to me, they're 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 going to go as their guards go. But I, I don't expect a lot. I, you know, we know Wheeler pretty well, but I don't even think he scored a bucket in their game against Akron. So um, no, I, I I don't love Ohio State. Yeah, man. I, Boy, that feels good to say. <laughs> I hear you. I, I, who's gonna Who's gonna pick up the slack left by by Dwayne Washington? I that that to me is is the biggest and the obvious question. I just don't see it, Tim. I, I don't see uh, even by committee who fills the gap that he leaves on that roster. No, and and. Whether you you thought he shot too much, he was too hyper aggressive. Dwayne Washington was a ball player, yeah, and you knew that every game. I mean, we we knew him from from high school in Grand Rapids. That guy plays hard, and and he makes everybody on his team play hard. So that's that's a, a major loss, and I think he's going to be an NBA player. I, I I know I think he's G League right now, but. Keep an eye on him because I like a lot of things that Dwayne Washington does. What did you make of, uh, obviously, nationally televised, what did you make of Michigan State and Kansas? Kansas playing that game without, without Jalen Wilson, who's on suspension. And, uh, you know, Michigan State was was with them for a minute, turned the basketball over a lot. I thought Marcus Bingham's shot selection was a bit interesting. It looks like Tom Izzo is going to give him freedom to shoot some shoot some threes there. What do you make of the Spartans? So, so I was, I was expecting a lot more out of Tyson Walker and it, and it, it goes to show you um, how, how the transition is really hard uh, to play for Tom Mizzo, especially if you're a point guard, mm-hmm. takes a lot of time. It took Drew Neitzel a long time. Um, Cassius Winston st- stepped right in, but he's, he's in a, you know, just such a special player that, that, that didn't surprise me. Uh, the, the big issue that I've got with Michigan state is that they've got too many big guys that all are just kind of good players, but nobody's really a star. And and I, I get the sense that a lot of times Michigan State's big guys are trying to do things that that, that maybe it's not great for them to do. Um, I, I think Marble is their best big guy, and I would love to see him start and, and be featured a little bit more. Um, I saw Andy Katz had Gabe Brown as one of the top 20 players in the Big Ten, I, I don't agree with that, but I think he's really good. Um, Max Christie is a five-star, and he's a little bit like maybe uh, – I, I, I remember the, all the athletic twos that that Michigan State has had, but when Josh Langford was young and fresh and not injured, I saw a lot of similarities between the two of them. So I think he's going to have a really good year. But but the reason that, that Michigan State is what fifth or sixth preseason in the Big Ten 
is that I think that they lack some shooting. I think they lack some playmaking. And I'm just not sure if if Tyson Walker is going to be that star point guard that, that Tom Izzo needs. As a matter of fact, as, as the season goes on, I wouldn't be surprised to see Jay Nakins get a more expanded role. He didn't do much in that in that first game in the Champions Classic. But I, I like his size and his athleticism. He's from Farmington, and I, I look at him as a as a future star. Yeah, he they seem to really like AJ Hogard over there. I'm with you. I think you know that they they rise and fall with Tyson Walker's ability to adapt. But this gets back to a point that I made when we talked about Devontae Jones's transition. Look, I, I think that it's reasonable to expect for Devontae Jones's impact, his overall impact, to be greater because we've seen. We've seen a guy transition already. We just saw it last year, right? Mike Smith's transition, it was, was there one where he had to, there was a little bit of adjustment and role and learning the team and the scheme, sure. But, I mean, I just think that with Jawan's system, it is not, not going to be as difficult for transfers, transfer point guards, to come in and pick it up uh, a little quicker than it will be for point guards going into Tom Izzo's system where, you you know, I'm not disparaging his scheme, uh, but it's just there's a lot more a lot more sets to what Tom Izzo is doing. So it's going to be, I think, a little bit more cumbersome for him. And then to your point about Gabe Brown, you know, being listed as one of the top 20 players, I think for Michigan State to contend, I think he needs to be. But I'm mm-hmm. with you. Is he that guy? Is he that guy right now? I, I you know, I, I got to see that, Tim. I got to see that. Gabe, Gabe, Gabe Brown's a good player. He was at the Michigan Elite 25 that I run every summer. And and to me, he is a complimentary player. When the offense is running really well, when the defense is, is forcing transition opportunities, that's when Gabe Brown is getting dunks in transition. When the offense is clicking, he's getting wide open threes. But I'm not sure if he's the guy that you give him the ball and get out of the way and he's going to make a play so um and then also juan howard's system is much more player friendly for a new newcomer because it's so pick and roll heavy and motion offense tom Izzo still likes running a lot of of set plays Mm -hmm. and so that might be a lot for a player that that maybe comes from a program i didn't watch northeastern play but i would assume that it was more motion than sets so that might be something to watch. Hey, uh, Sam, I, I saw Purdue wanting a blowout, and and Zach Eady is going to be a, a real special player. I was surprised. I didn't I didn't see Trevion Williams do much. Is is there a reason? Did you were you aware of that? Because I know he came off the bench, and I would have thought he would have been the featured guy this year. Yeah, you know, I I didn't see their game against you. Talking about the game they played against, uh, you know, Bell- Bellarm. Yeah, I didn't yeah. I didn't see that game. They destroyed them. I just saw the score. I think they won that game by like 30 points or something like that. Uh, so I, I admit to not paying as much attention to that game because of the opponent. I don't know what the what the deal is with, uh, with, with Trevion. Whatever the case, I don't know if he's dealing with some sort of injury or they just knew that, uh, you know, that he could relax coming out of the gate. But, you know, we've seen him enough to know that he is going to be a big deal. Uh, my question about that team it has not changed is can you play their best players together tim and i'm just not wow. I, i'm not convinced that you can i'm not convinced that you can play their best players together i just i'm not sure how how they would they would cover michigan especially if michigan 
went with a smaller lineup. Uh, there was a time last night uh, in the, the game against Buffalo that Michigan went with a small lineup with, I believe, that that you had Caleb Houston as the power forward. And, and it works fine because he's 6'8 and he rebounds his position. But who's who's going to go out and cover him at the three-point line if Michigan went small? Right. I, I don't think Trevion Williams would be able to do that. Right. And and if you had Terrence Williams on the court, Terrence Williams could do a pretty good job covering the, the big guys for Purdue if they played together. So I'm with you. Jaden Ivey is is their their best player. But Zach Eady and Trevion Williams, I don't think they can play effectively together, especially if it's a fast game. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see. we got plenty of time all season to talk about other Big Ten teams, about guys who are – Coming out of the gate, looking like, man, Paulo Banchero. I, I mean, we knew how good he was, right? We, we, yeah. are, we already knew how good he was. But, man, it's going to be uh, a fun season watching him, uh, watching a guy. Uh, you, you go out to, to Gonzaga, and what is Chet Holmgren going to do this year? Really interested to see what kind of impact he's going to have on the college game as well. So a lot to break down, but obviously the focus is going to be on Michigan, my friend. And, of course, Tim, I know you're a big football fan. You got any predictions you want to throw out, Michigan-Penn State? I just I just feel like Michigan is on an upward trajectory, and, and I think that they're going to have – Penn State's going to have a hard time blocking our defensive ends. Um, I think that I, – I think that I, I would personally like to see Cade McNamara try to run some RPO because nobody – thinks he's going to run it all, and this would be a perfect game for him to try to run. And I would love to see a little bit more J.J. Yeah, I hear you. Well, Tim, I would love to see a little more Michigan Basketball Insider, and I'm in luck, as are you, if you're listening to this podcast, because we are back on our every week rhythm now that the team uh, has started the season. So you can look forward to another episode next week. If you like this podcast, be sure to rate it. Be sure to review it. Be sure to tell all your friends about it. And a little little preview, a little nugget. We're going to be bringing a video element to the Basketball Insider uh, here before long as well. So be on the lookout for that. But be excited because we are about the next episode, the next edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown, new season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.